yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got Tim Tams in my tummy. Yucky, yucky, yucky. I've got fat in my tummy. What is it about food that we think if we eat this food, we're going to get fat? And obviously, if we eat the food that makes us fat, it's going to end up on our fatty bits. So if I eat chocolate, I'm going to get a fat tummy or a fat bar, or fat in the thighs or fat back of my arms. And is that true? And as an exercise professional, when people say to you, how do I burn fat off my tummy? How do I have flat abdominals? <laughs> uh, probably one of the most asked questions ever. It seems to be the part of the body that... Uh, we almost separate from every other muscle. It's like, well, we're going to do uh, big exercises for our legs and big exercises for our arms and big exercises for, for, exercise for our chest and our back. But for our tummy, we're going to do little tiny exercises because maybe the muscles in our abdominals are different to the makeup of the muscles in the rest of our body. And I just sound ridiculous as I'm saying that, of course. So what do we do as exercise professionals for our clients who obviously want to look good, feel good? and say to us, I want to have a flat tummy, or I want to have strong abdominals, or I want to have ripped abdominals. Uh, do you understand the physiology? Do you understand how that all works so that you can give your clients the best results in the shortest period of time in the safest way possible? If I say that the other way, do you want to waste people's time? Do you want to hurt them? And do you want to give them exercises that don't work? And I'm sure the answer is no. So this uh, probably the biggest question of all is as an exercise professional, do I know and understand my anatomy physiology, particularly the physiology of fat loss and the physiology of strength? Because they seem to be the two things or the two reasons why people do abdominal exercises, the specific isolated exercises for abdominals. So Rowie, I would like to do crunches or sit-ups or planks or sit-ups on a fit ball or I want to work my core. So I want to work this part of my body so it's flat and tight. So how do you answer that question if somebody says to you, I want to do sit-ups? And usually uh, as humans, if somebody asks us a question, we answer the question and if we think we're right and the other person's wrong, we tend to go into some kind of defensive answer. So this is why you should do it and we go la-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's been an interesting journey for me as an exercise professional because I've never wanted to have uh, fat on my tummy either. I've also wanted to eat chocolate because I love it. Uh, and I always thought, in fact, now I'll rephrase that. I actually didn't know. I just believe what everybody told me that if you wanted to uh, have a tight tummy, you've got to do tummy exercises. And of course, when you do tummy exercises, you get a burning sensation in your tummy area and that must be exploding fat cells. So when I started exercising at the age of 10, because I didn't know any better, and sit-ups were one of the exercises that I had seen on television maybe, or maybe we'd done them at school for calisthenics, I'm not sure, uh, I started doing sit-ups and crunches and sit-ups and crunches and sit-ups and crunches because I could feel the burn. And uh, there's a few things that happened. One is I didn't burn any fat off my tummy. Two, my abdominals didn't get any stronger. And three, I ended up with a perforated disc. So when I asked the question, and the, the disc between my L4 and 5 in my lumbar spine uh, literally blew out, it, it busted. And if I ask you the question again, do you want to waste people's time? Do you want to hurt them? Do you want to give them an exercise that doesn't work? Uh, I would, I'm sure the answer is no. I can't imagine anybody saying, yeah, I really want to give people exercises that are going to injure them, waste their time, and they don't work. 
So when I was told uh, by an orthopedic surgeon and a sports orthopedic surgeon, so this was somebody that uh, he was the specialist for a rugby league club in Sydney. Uh, so his role as an orthopedic surgeon was to make sure that footballers on million dollar contracts that got injured could get back on the field as quickly as possible. And I'm very, I was very privileged that I ended up in his office and he had my x-rays in his hand. And he said to me, you've obviously been doing sit-ups and crunches. And I very proudly said yes, because I'm a disciplined woman and I've been doing thousands of them. And I felt proud of the fact that I had been doing thousands of sit-ups. Just as an interesting side note, I didn't have a flat tummy and I still had fat on my tummy and I obviously didn't have a strong abdominal or what people would call the core and of course an orthopaedic surgeon would never call this the core because it's not an anatomical term. But I didn't have strong abdominal muscles and I didn't have strong lower back muscles because if I did I wouldn't have perforated my disc, I would have protected my disc. So I very proudly said, yes, I've been doing sit-ups. And the orthopedic surgeon said to me, and that's why you perforated your disc. This is an exercise that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. It doesn't burn fat. It doesn't make you any stronger. And if you keep doing them over and over, like you've been doing, you'll end up with an injury. And went ahead then to explain to me that the disc that sits between the vertebrae, if you do this to the disc and you do this to the disc, because I, I did all the sit-ups. So I did the, the little ones and the crunches and the ones with the twist. And I did them all, thousands of them, maybe hundreds of thousands of them. And of course, the body can only handle so much. If you keep wearing away, even if it's only a tiny, and we use the example, if you put sandpaper between two pieces of wood, if you push that sandpaper and the pieces of wood together, or the sandpaper between the two pieces, nothing will wear away. You're just putting a compression force through two pieces of wood that happens to have a bit of sandpaper in there. But if you rub sandpaper between those two pieces of wood, even if it's only soft sandpaper, there comes a time where that wood will wear away and it doesn't take very long. So why do we do exercises? And this is the first question, because as an exercise professional, how do we justify injuring our client, whether it's now or in the future? So if somebody says to me, I want to do this exercise and I've never seen it, let's say it's a brand new one that's just been invented, should we put our x-ray goggles on first, literally our x-ray goggles, and have a look at what's happening at the joints of those of the, the joints that are being moved in that exercise? Because if I've got compression forces, traction forces going through the joint, that's something that my body can handle. It's meant to be able to do that. But if I've got shearing forces going across a joint, of course I'm going to get injured. It might be straight away, it might be in a little period of time, it might not be for 10 or 20 or 30 years, but I'm going to get injured, I'm gonna wear that joint away if I keep doing that exercise. So my first question is, if you look at any form of abdominal exercise, what's happening at the joint if you put your x-ray goggles on, there's, there are no abdominal, specific isolated abdominal exercises where there are contraction forces and compression forces going through the joint. They're all shearing forces across the joint, every single one of them. And the interesting one, because when people started, it seems like they started understanding that the joint had to be looked after, and if you did this to the joint and this to the joint by doing sit-ups and crunches, that it would get injured. So for some reason, uh, the exercise folks flipped the body over and put the body into the plank position. And again, if you analyze that position, now I've got gravity pushing where? <laughs> it's not going through the joint because I'm in a horizontal position. 
the gravity is now pushing across my joint. That's called shearing forces across my joint. And it's not if I'm going to get injured, it's just when. And why am I sharing all of this with you? Because I don't want it. I don't want to injure anybody. How about you? And if somebody wants to get a specific result from an exercise, and the number one result, uh, well, it doesn't matter what it is, but if I, if I want to get a result from an exercise, if I injure my client, they'll never get a result because I won't be able to exercise at all. So should our number one goal be to make sure that the exercise is, exercise is perfectly safe? So I'm asking you as an exercise professional, as somebody who's a coach, who looks after people's human bodies, or you just want to look after your own human body, why would you give your body an exercise that could damage the joint, any joint? But sit-ups in particular, crunches at any abdominal exercises, you're going to put your body into a position where the joint will get injured at some stage. So question one, is the exercise safe? If you go back one step, which is what result do you want to get from that exercise? Most people will share that they want to have flat abdominals, they want to burn fat off their abdominals, they want to have strong abdominals. That want to look good. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones. But if somebody comes to you and says that, and then you said to them, yes, we're going to give you an exercise, but it's got the risk of hurting your joint and perforating your disc, uh, do you think they would still want to do that exercise? And I think it's a really important question to ask. So is it safe? And the answer has to be, and I'll let you decide, is it safe to put shearing forces across the joint and shearing forces with rotation? And then often shearing forces with rotation and momentum. So we tend to do them really fast and twist really fast. So now I've got, uh, I've got shearing forces, I've got rotation forces, and I've got uh, speed, which is one of the things that can often hurt uh, just because we're doing it too fast. So great question to ask, is this going to give me the best result if I injure my client? Next question, am I burning fat off my tummy when I do sit-ups? Is that exploding fat cell theory correct? I'm feeling the burn and you'll often hear fitness instructors, fitness people, that they'll actually say that, feel the burn. Well, should we ask, what is the burn? Is it burning of fat? Could you smell it? <laughs> and the physiology of that's really important because when you are doing an exercise that works in the either the phosphate or uh, lactate systems, and there's three energy systems, but when you're using an isolated muscle and you start feeling that burning sensation in the muscle, that's coming from lactic acid, which is the waste product from the lactate system. So if somebody's telling you that you're burning fat while you're doing sit-ups because you can feel the burn, there's a big misrepresentation of the energy systems of the body, of the physiology of the body. Because in the lactate system, you're not burning any fat, you're burning carbohydrate. It's not until you get to the aerobic system that you start burning fat. And when you do little exercises, even if you can do them for a really long time, you will be burning a combination of carbohydrate and fat, but at such a low rate, at such a low speed, because you're using little muscles doing a little exercise, which will, of course, give you a little result. So can you burn fat off your abdominals? Now, of course, the answer is yes, but can you burn fat off your abdominals by doing sit-ups and by doing crunches, uh, by doing planks, by doing any kind of core exercise? And I'm asking you as an exercise professional, 
that you shouldn't have to justify the answer to that question because somebody who asks you that question obviously doesn't understand the anatomy and physiology of the human body and they definitely don't understand the physiology of fat loss. Uh, the simple, and I, I try and make a joke of it always. If I could burn fat off my tummy by moving my tummy, then I could burn fat off my arm from doing this to my arm. But I always joke about this, as you know. That would mean I'd have one skinny arm and one chubby arm because I'm using one arm and not the other one. I would have a very skinny face and everybody that talks a lot would have a very skinny face because I'm moving my face a lot. I'd, I would be burning fat off my face. Uh, if I had... Uh, if I played the piano, I'd have skinny fingers. If I played guitar, I'd have skinny fingers. If I uh, hopped on one leg, I'd have one skinny leg. And if I didn't hop on the other leg because I forgot, I'd have one skinny leg and one fat leg. The physiology of fat loss doesn't work that way. And the really exciting thing that I think is really important that you don't have to justify as an exercise professional, somebody who's telling you that you can burn fat off your tummy by doing sit-ups has to justify this to you. But you will know as an exercise professional that when you exercise in the phosphate system, which is the first 10 seconds of high intense activity, where you're putting in 100% effort into what you do, that's where the, the change of metabolism happens. That's where there is a, uh, a stimulus for your body to change. And when you're constantly tapping into that 100% energy system, which is only the 10 seconds of exercise and it's at 100% effort, you also don't get that burning sensation because the lactic acid is in the lactate system. So that burning in your muscles that, oh, I can feel the burn, that's not in that 100% effort. Anything past 10 seconds becomes less than 100% effort. So you're in your lactate system or you're in your aerobic system, which means you can keep going forever and ever, means you're burning calories really slowly. Yes, you're burning fat and yes, you're burning carbohydrate, but at a much slower rate. Now, let's, uh, it's, it's even worse than that. When I exercise at 100% effort, I put in 100% effort, I get 100% result, I'm getting puffed. I'm stimulating my body to change its metabolism, but also its respiratory quotient. And that means where the calories will come from when I'm resting. My respiratory quotient when I'm exercising at 100% effort is pure carbohydrate, phosphate in the muscle, glycogen from the muscle. When I run out of glycogen in the muscle, I pull it down from the liver. That We only have a half a kilogram storage of carbohydrate inside our body. So what happens is when we exercise, and I always, I, I, every time I exercise, I say very passionately to myself, Rowie, exercise where you're not burning any fat, none. Because as soon as you get into the aerobic system, which is the plod jogging system, which is the slow endurance can keep going forever system, yes, you're going to be burning fat, but at a very slow rate. When you exercise at 100% effort, you burn 100% carbohydrate, you, your body becomes, or the respiratory quotient changes, your body becomes a fat burning machine when you're at rest. Your body prefers to burn carbohydrate when you are exercising, but it prefers to burn fat when you're resting. And that's the challenge with these silly exercises, the little exercises that give us little results. If you just use one muscle group at a time or two or three muscle groups at a time, so you break the body up into little pieces, you can't put in 100% effort. The only time your body's working at 100% effort is when you are pushing so hard you can hardly breathe. And that comes from big muscle movements, the biggest muscles in the body, the big muscles. In fact, I'll go a step further. You want to be using all of the muscles in your body. And this is what's really exciting. When you do high intense activity, 
sprinting exercises, and it doesn't have to be running. It can be boxing, it can be kicking, it can be running upstairs, it can be running through soft sand, it can be skipping, it can be uh, anything where you're putting in 100% effort and you're puffing, and there's all the, the cardiovascular machines, of course, where you can get on a bike or a treadmill or a rowing machine, cross trainer, and go as hard as you can. Your heart and lungs don't know what you're doing. All your heart and lungs know is that you're getting puffed, which means you're turning your body into a fit machine. You're getting as fit as you possibly can, which means then you'll have a respiratory quotient that prefers to burn fat at rest. Now, that's all very exciting. What's more exciting, though, if you want to have flat abdominals, if you don't want to have chubby bits on your middle, that there's two things happening here. If you're sprinting as hard as you can, you're going as hard as you can, you're using all the muscles in your body. But most importantly, if you want to have flat, strong abdominals, what are the muscles that are holding you in the upright position? And this is the really interesting thing about effective exercise. We often talk about functional exercise. The human body doesn't function here. It rests in this position. It doesn't work in the lying down position. It rests. When we stand up, when, we, when we're upright, and then even more importantly, we're going at 100% in the upright position, can you imagine, and think about this, the, ab the abdominals, the uh, muscles that hold you in the upright position are, yes, the abdominals in connection with the lower back muscles so that you don't fall over. So the harder you exercise and the heavier you lift in the upright position, the harder the muscles of the front of your body and the back of your body have to work. Now, I don't like to call it the core because that's just not an anatomical term. And if you say that in the medical profession, they think you're a bit of a deal because it's it's just not, it's not a medical terminology. It's made up by the exercise profession. So if you really want to talk about the, uh, the, the muscles that are a part of the abdominal group and the, lower, the uh, muscles of the lower back, then why not just call them what they are? And when I ask exercise professionals, do you know the, the names or what muscles make up what you've just called the core? Should that, number one, be a question that you can answer? And if you can't answer it, should you perhaps go back and study? It's, it's not just the rectus abdominis. What about the obliques? What about the transverse abdominis? And the, the obliques have got internal and external parts to them. What about the erector spinae group? What about the multifidus group? These are the muscles that hold the body in the upright position so you can work as hard as you possibly can to get puffed, to work as hard as you possibly can in the upright position when you're doing squats and lunges, the big exercises that give you big results because they use every single muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, in your body and your endocrine system and your central nervous system and your cardiovascular system and your respiratory system, they all work together to turn your body into a high-performance machine. A high-performance human body isn't one that's on the ground. It's not one that's using little muscles. So I'm, I think you can tell I'm pretty passionate about this. If somebody says to me, Rowie, I would like to work my abdominals. My answer is always this. Would you like to work your abdominals and your lower back muscles and your chest and your back and your shoulders and your arms and all the muscles in your legs and every single muscle, ligament, tendon and joint in your whole body so you can turn your body into a high performance machine? And nobody's ever said to me, no, I just want to work my abdominals. <laughs> I want to have everything else out of shape, but I want to have flat abdominals. The beautiful human body that works so incredibly well as a highly tuned machine, when you puff and when you lift heavy, everything works together. 
every muscle, every ligament, every tendon, every joint, your heart, your lungs, your endocrine system, your central nervous system, your, even your digestive system and your immune system. Everything works together to make sure that your body can get strong, get fit and stay that way for the rest of your life. So I always ask this question, would you want me as an exercise professional to give you an exercise that could hurt you or will definitely hurt you in the future? One that will waste your time and it won't give you the best result possible. Is that the kind of exercise that you want to do? As an exercise professional, I can't give you that exercise to do. The example I always use though, which is really interesting, uh, if somebody came to me and said, Rowie, should I smoke? Of course I would say no. There's a, we were only joking about this today. It's been suggested that 99% of people who die of lung cancer were smokers. And in medical terminology, we call that a risk. It's a pretty dangerous thing to do to your body. It's considered one of the highest risks, risk activities for your health. So if somebody said to me, should I smoke? I'm going to say, of course not. But am I going to tell somebody not to smoke? I'm never going to go up to somebody and say, don't do that, it's bad for you, because there are plenty of people who really enjoy smoking. It's their favorite thing to do. And who am I to tell somebody not to do something that they love to do? And that seems to be the challenge in the exercise, I won't call it a profession, I'll call it in the fitness industry. It seems that a lot of exercise professionals, sorry, exercise people, uh, are very happy to do sit-ups themselves or crunches or core exercises or planks or any of the, the abdominal exercises that are very popular and very fashionable. It seems that either... The, the person, the exercise person likes to do them and or they like to give them to other people. And if you go to somebody who gives you an exercise, I always ask this question, do you have the right to ask why are we doing this exercise and how does it work? The reverse of that, should your exercise professional be asking you what result do you want from this exercise? And if, if somebody asks you that and you're a coach or you're an exercise professional, I'm asking you to please be able to explain why you would give somebody an, a crunch, a sit-up, a plank, an abdominal exercise if they want to have strong abdominals, if they want to burn fat off their abdominals, if they want to look good, this part of their body. You would have to be able to explain why you would give them crunches or sit-ups or planks and how they work. You would have to explain how you could get the muscles that hold the body in the upright position strongest by putting them in the lying down position. You would have to explain how to burn fat off a specific area of your body. You'd actually have to explain how spot reduction works. And if I'm your client and I say to you, so if I do this with my arm, I'm going to get a skinny arm, you would have to be able to explain how that would happen. And I'm embarrassed because I used to give people sit-ups and, and crunches, and I used to do them, and I'm going to share with you again, I ended up in an orthopedic surgeon's office with a perforated disc. So I have no challenge, with share, and no challenge at all sharing with people that I'm an exercise professional who doesn't want to hurt your joint, doesn't want to waste your time, and I don't want to give you ineffective exercises, so I'm not going to be giving you sit-ups, crunches, or planks. But that's a choice that we all get to make. 
and as professional people, I hope that we make the right choices for ourselves and for our clients. And I, again, it's the same as smoking. I can't stop people from smoking. I'm not going to run around telling people not to smoke. I spent a lot of years of my career path trying to convince people that sit-ups and crunches and, and, and abdominal exercises were silly, but people just like to do them. <laughs> Here's what I like to do of these. These are one of my favorite biscuits. I like to eat lots of them. If I eat lots of these, I have to have a body that's gonna burn them up. And I'm not gonna burn them up off my tummy. Any fat that goes into my abdominal area is not gonna get burnt up by doing sit-ups and crunches. The only way I'm gonna burn fat off my body is turn my body into a fat-burning machine. Does that sound exciting? So I've gotta get fit so that my body burns fat really fast when I'm resting but it burns carbohydrate at the highest rate possible while I'm exercising so that I'm working in the right energy system to get the best results. 100% effort gives me 100% results. Lying down exercises using little muscle groups that don't burn very many calories and don't burn very much energy wastes my time and I don't want to waste my time and I'm definitely not going to waste my client's time because I always ask this question. If you injure your client, that would be terrible. If you perforated somebody's disc, that would be terrible, yeah? But it can recover. Now, it's I've spent my whole life protecting now my, my L4 and L5 joint from the serious injury that I had at 18 years of age. But you can recover from an injury. You hurt your knee, you can recover. You hurt somebody's shoulder, you can recover. Horrible to do it, but you can recover. But if you waste somebody's time, they can never get that time back. Never. So if you put somebody down on the ground and get them to squish the fat, 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 twist the fat, squish the fat, twist the fat, that's all you're doing. You're just moving fat around. You're not burning it off. What a waste of time. And I'm really sad when people go to to, to an exercise professional, expect a certain result, and they don't get it. And I want to tell you something really cool. When I found out the hard way that uh, doing sit-ups were not going to burn fat off my abdominals and they were just going to hurt my hurt my back and they had a very high risk of injury. I very proudly went back to, and at the time I was teaching anywhere between 15 to 20 group exercise classes every week. And I used to have people down on the floor, we'd run around the room, but then at the end we'd do an ab track and we'd squish the fat, squish the fat, squish the fat, squish the fat, burn, 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 burn. And with great pleasure when I learnt, when I learnt, isn't that such a special thing to be able to say, Ladies and gentlemen, in my class, I have learnt that the way we have been exercising our abdominals is a complete waste of time and I've put you at a risk of injury and we're not going to do it anymore. You know what was really cool? I got a standing ovation. People clapped and cheered because most people don't want to do sit-ups and they don't want to do crunches and they don't want to do abdominal work. It just seems silly. It's uncomfortable. And what I now realise as I'm old that for more mature people to get down on the ground and to try and lift their head up and their fat squishing together, and it's just an all-over uncomfortable thing to do, uh, to let people know that if they're in the upright position and they're getting puffed, they're doing the best exercises possible for their abdominals. I told you, I got a standing ovation. People were ecstatic. They didn't have to do them anymore. And the few people that said to me, Roe, but I like to do abdominals. I, I'm very happy to share and lots of people like to smoke and I would never tell you not to smoke. If that's something that you really enjoy doing, I think you should smoke. I'm never going to tell you not to. But please know that as a professional, I can't prescribe smoking to you because it's not going to be good for your health. 
As an exercise professional, I can't prescribe sit-ups and crunches and planks and abdominal exercises because they're ineffective, they waste your time and they could hurt you. Should we analyse every exercise that we talk about, that we give to people, even the exercises that we're doing? Why would we do exercises that waste our time, could hurt our joints, and they are ineffective? There are some exercises that you can do in a very short period of time, and I always, at our house, we always joke about this. Uh, K-Man and I, our, our workouts take us, and K-Man's just finished his workout tonight. Uh, he goes into the garage, and about seven minutes later, he comes back. He's done chins and dips and push-ups and lunges and squats and rows with our very heavy dumbbell and every single muscle, bone, ligament, tendon and joint in his entire body has been worked. I go into the garage. Usually I do my workout while I'm waiting for the washing machine to spin or the dryer to finish off. If there's three or four minutes left in the spin cycle or the washing machine cycle, the weight equipment's next to them and I do some lunges and squats and and, uh, rows and push-ups and chins and dips and done out of there four minutes, five minutes, uh, to work every ligament, tendon and joint in my body, including my abdominals. And I'm, I will share with you very passionately, I haven't done any sit-up exercises uh, since I, obviously since I perforated my, my disc and I never will. And uh, I like having a nice tight tummy. <laughs> How about you? As an exercise professional, please learn your anatomy and physiology. Please treat people with respect by giving them exercises that are safe, that are effective and that don't waste their time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yummy, 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 I've got food in my tummy and I've got a tummy that burns off that fast because I'm a high fat burning machine. Woohoo!